everyone. Welcome to this EBN podcast. My name is Alison Shorten. I'm an Associate Editor of EBN and an Associate Professor at Yale School of Nursing in the United States. Today I'm talking with Dr. Middledorp, who is one of our expert commentators. Dr. Middledorp is a Professor and Co-Chair of the Department of Vascular Medicine at the Academic Medical Center, University of Amsterdam. Dr. Middledorp will be talking about the risk of venous thromboembolism, or VTE, for women who are hospitalized during pregnancy. Welcome, Dr. Middledorp. Firstly, can I ask you to tell us about your work and current research in the Department of Vascular Medicine? Uh, yes, I'm very happy to do so. I'm an, uh, trained in internal medicine, and we have in the Netherlands the subspecialty of vascular medicine. And that means I'm an internist with a strong interest in all aspects of the blood veins and arteries. Having said this, as a doctor, my research focuses very strongly on all sorts of thrombotic uh, aspects, and I have a very solid and uh, long-standing interest in uh, thrombosis in women and also in pregnancy-related thrombosis, because I believe that this is an area where a lot still needs to be done, and I really hope to contribute. Let's now focus on the risk of VTE, specifically in pregnancy. Why is VTE such an important problem for pregnant women? Well, first of all, I think it is really important to emphasize that venous thromboembolism still is the main cause of maternal death in the developed world. So let's say in the underdeveloped world, it is mainly postpartum hemorrhage, but in the Western world, it is VTE and preeclampsia. And mm-hmm. so it's, a, it's killer number one. And I think one of the interesting issues is that very little about this is known. And the awareness, particularly in the public, is uh, at least in my country, uh, still mm-hmm. very low. And so, yes, I think it's a preventable cause in many instances, not only of death, but also of morbidity. Because if a woman gets a deep vein thrombosis during pregnancy, the chances that she will have a post-thrombotic syndrome for the rest of her life are much higher than in the general population. If it doesn't kill you, it will still make you very sick. And half of the women with a deep vein thrombosis will have severe post-thrombotic symptoms. And they're young, so they have that the rest of their life. I think you're right in that it's not something that's well recognized, not just in your own country, but in many countries. So as we know, it's not uncommon for women to be hospitalized during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So what did this particular study discover about the potential effect of an episode of hospitalization on pregnant women? Yeah, so I think this study was uh, very important uh, indeed. We do know that the, the, the incidence of uh, thrombosis and pulmonary embolism combined VTE is around 1 to 1.5 per 1,000 pregnancies in general. So that's our baseline risk. And what this study found is that the risk is about 17-fold higher during admissions in hospital. And also, it remains increased in the first four weeks after hospital discharge. So what this study added, not only relative risks, but also an estimate of the absolute risk. So of every 1,000 women who are admitted to hospital, Around two of those women will get a, um, a, a deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolism, and that is much higher than the baseline pregnancy risk that every woman in her pregnancy carries. And I think that this is uh, critically important because, as you said, there are many situations like excessive uh, vomiting early in pregnancy mm-hmm. or immobility related to problems with the, the, back, the back and everything. You know, it can put you to, into immobilization, and I think you, you have a right to estimate the risk of VTE in such a situation. 
So what can providers do specifically to help reduce the risk of VTE for women who are hospitalised during pregnancy? So what, what at least needs to be done is that uh, the risk should be assessed in every pregnant woman who is being hospitalised. And also this study found that it's not just the three or more days that is in the guideline, for instance, in, in, in the UK, uh, as a specific risk factor, but even with shorter hospital admissions, there already is an increased risk. So can you tell us from your perspective, what were the strengths and weaknesses of the methods used in this particular study? So I think the strengths really are the fact that these uh, were prospectively collected data, and they come from linked data sources, so mm -hmm. meaning that it, it remains, a, in a sense, a helicopter view, so that could also be regarded a potential weakness. However, the uh, diagnostic data and the admission data are very good quality data, and they cover 3% of the total UK population. So the data are really generalizable to, to many developed countries. I think the, mo the main limitations are, since it is a relatively rare disease, even though it's killer number one, it's relatively small numbers of events, and therefore estimated risks still have some imprecision around the point estimate. Well, there were other minor issues, but I think in view of the uh, of the large numbers of the total population, I think this is a very, very good study, and particularly the, col the prospectively collected data make it very strong. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the study was conducted in the United Kingdom. You also said that you, you believe that these issues that were raised in the study are likely to be internationally important. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so for instance, the risk estimates of the uh, VTE incidence in pregnancy, for instance, in the UK, but also in the U United States, there are pretty good studies, also in the northern part of Europe, uh, so all, let's say, developed Western countries. The risk estimates are very, very similar for the baseline pregnancy risk. So I, I suspect that it will not be very different for the hospitalization estimates. So uh -huh. that's basically, is, I'm, I'm quite confident that this is not some UK problem. Can you summarize what you think are the main implications for clinical practice here? Yes, so I think that every woman who is pregnant and who is being admitted to hospital at least should be considered for prophylaxis uh, uh -huh. with low molecular weight heparin during their, her immobility. And this is already in the guidelines. So in the, in the guidelines, there is a risk assessment at booking but also later, and, and since this is, let's say, an incident thing happening during pregnancy, it needs some reconsideration. So it's not just at the first antenatal visit where you sort of check your, your lists, but with every woman admitted to hospital should be considered for thrombosis prophylaxis. So meaning, again, that you have to take into account other comorbidities and that the threshold for prophylaxis uh, should be quite low even though obviously we know that if we would anticoagulate every woman, we would also induce bleeding. But as soon as a woman is hospitalized, I think with most women, if you, if you just tick the risk factors, you will end up deciding that she better have a thrombosis prophylaxis during that immobilization period. Whether what? that is really true for extended prophylaxis is, is really, that will be difficult because there the risk drops. It's still higher than the admission incidents, but it, it's probably not high enough to extend it to all women who have been admitted for another four weeks. However, one of the other things, and here we come back to the public awareness, I don't think we really instruct our women, at least not in the Netherlands, very well about thrombosis. Knowing symptoms, knowing that women are at increased risk will at least prevent delay 
of patients seeking medical attention. No, I think you're right about educating patients and it's not just in the Netherlands. I think that's a really important point that you're making about public education and specifically education of pregnant women about things that they need to watch for or um, certain risks that they have that are specific to being pregnant. We're really talking about things that we still don't know yet. So you know, what future research do we need in this area? I think the good risk assessment is really step one. So is there a relevance to this uh, apart from, let's say, sporadic personal losses and, and dramas? So I think this study tells us, yes, it is really relevant also numerically, not just for personal reasons. This also means that we need better studies in how to prevent thrombosis in pregnant women. So there are no studies, for instance, with mechanical methods like stockings, whether that would help without increasing risk for bleeding. We don't know in pregnancy what would be the optimal thrombosis prophylactic dose. We don't know the duration after a hospitalization or with concomitant risk factor, whether the benefit really outweighs the harms of the injections, of bleeding risks, uh, of allergic uh, skin reactions, etc. So I think that all the studies in the thrombosis field that have been done in surgical patients and are currently being done in medical patients should really be devoted to pregnant women as well. And this is very challenging, and that is why I think I'm so determined to at least solve a few of the problems in my career. It's so challenging because, for instance, the way we are doing research is very often pharma-driven. I'm not against that because it also advances the field, but in pregnant women, we really need good academic studies that are funded by public agencies because, you know, companies are really, they want to stay away from this, this high liability population. Yes. Whereas I think that at the end of the day, the problem is that these women are mo and their children are most vulnerable to studies that are not being done and they should be conducted. And as you pointed out earlier, the, the decisions that are made during pregnancy and the things that occur during pregnancy can then last a lifetime. You're talking about the complications that could occur and the fact that they could go on for the rest of that particular woman's life. It is, it's a very challenging population, but a very important one. Now, one final message. What key point or points do you think our listeners should take away from this research? So awareness of thrombosis and pulmonary embolism being the main uh, reason for maternal mortality and the lack of awareness uh, in the public, but potentially also with health healthcare providers to really educate our people and our women to at least seek medical attention and know what we're talking about if it's about VTE. Thank you so much for some really important points. We've been speaking with Dr. Middledorp. Thank you so much. Music